Hello and welcome to the Bad Asian Podcast, the world's most inconsistent podcast where we start off talking about Asian things and we slowly devolve into self-indulgent thought exercises. We are recording from Canal Street Radio in production with Listening Party, so please follow them on Instagram at Canal Street Market and at Listening Party Presents. That being said, I am your host, David Nguyen. Join with me from California, as always, is Imran Chi. And today we have a very special guest. She is an editor at Flex Magazine. The world's first, uh, how do you describe that magazine? It is the first satirical comedy magazine for people of color? Correct. Oh, nailed it. Great. <laughs> she Boom. is Brooklyn-based, originally from Southern California. She is a writer, comedian, sketch artist? Uh, sketch writer. Sketch writer, my mistake. But writing is an art, so. She is an Both. overall <laughs> artiste. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, please welcome to the show, Diana Chan. Hi, thank you. All right, Diana. So I've been following you on Twitter for a little bit. I find you very hilarious. So oh, thank, thank you. you. For Can I ask what, what brought you to my Twitter? I think somebody retweeted you, to be honest. Do you know which tweet it was? I can't, I can't remember that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just curious. Can anybody really remember anybody that we retweet? Oh, I think I know which one it was. Oh. I had one go viral. and I. <laughs> which one was that? Uh, I don't know if I want to go into this. It's a... Uh, do it. It's already on Twitter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I My friends are sick and tired of hearing me talk about this because it was a huge thing in my life. <laughs> um, the tweet said no one and then blank space. And then it said white girl with a white boyfriend. Um, I'm queer. Uh, I think that was the one. <laughs> yes. And it got 20,000 likes. I had like 200 followers. Like nobody cares what I think, which is perfectly fine. <laughs> and they're right not to. But um, that tweet was retweeted and commented on and liked, and I got so much hate for it. <laughs> did, did the love outweigh the hate, or was it about equal? No, no, no. Oh, way more hate. Not even. It was 20,000 likes and then 700 comments that said, you're biphobic. Every single comment was like, you should die for this tweet. I was like, mm, the internet sucks. <laughs> I thought very hard about deleting it, and I was like, mm, I stand by my statement. It was right, <laughs> so I'm not going to delete this. <laughs> Uh, and it's hard to. I mean, that's the, especially if it's your most retweeted one, right? I mean, I don't care about the likes or retweets or any of that. I just like, I was like, should I take this down because I'm getting threatened like by all these people <laughs> that I don't know on the internet, and I didn't know if I was wrong in what I wrote, and right. then I had to retell the joke to myself to make sure that I wasn't wrong. <laughs> And I decided I wasn't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, nope, facts checks out. <laughs> I was like, this, this tweet is not biphobic. And if you think it is, then you missed the point of it. And you said your friends gave you a lot of crap for it? Or they're just tired of hearing No. Ab about the tweet? They're yeah. tired of hearing about talking me talking about the oh, tweet. <laughs> where were you talking about it? Uh, to my friends okay. and <laughs> everyone that I'd ever met. <laughs> that, that is kind of terrible, though. You're like, I'm getting death threats, and they're like, listen, we're tired of hearing about I mean, no one problem. has actually said that to my face. Everyone's actually been very supportive. <laughs> I'm projecting that I think that they're sick and tired of hearing me talk about this because I have not stopped talking about it for the past two weeks or whatever since it happened. Were they two-faced about it? Say, listen, in person, I support you, but on the internet. No. <laughs> Well, all of my friends it. are intelligent people who understood <laughs> the tweet, and everyone on the internet is an idiot. Are you sure they're not, they didn't come up to you but like, hey, how do you spell biphobic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> you, did you want to just lean into it, take the t Tommy Laren route? It's like, this is my new character. <laughs> I mean, I, I can go into like what my thoughts were. Yeah, go for it. Um, in tweeting this. 
it like that I had to post an apology later. <laughs> uh, not really an apology, but like a clarification about what I had meant, mm-hmm. which was that like white women in these relationships that are heteronormative will say things like I'm queer and I'm bi and I date or like I'm attracted to women, but from the safety of their n- normal seeming relationships. And they talk over people of color who actually have like really difficult experiences dating uh. outside of their gender. Um, but you know what? I feel like maybe the tweet was too nuanced. <laughs> no one understood it. <laughs> Everybody attacked me and they're like, bi people exist also. This is biphobic. And I was like, it's not biphobic because the structure of the tweet is a structure that you see on Twitter all the time. It's like no one has said anything and this person with this opinion like says this opinion that's unsolicited. It doesn't right. say that like I think this person who said an, this opinion is invalid or like I don't believe their opinion. It's just like that person talks too much. I will say that I completely understood the tweet, but I could never explain it the way that we, you explained it. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about this. For hours on end. I couldn't sleep the first night. (laughs) I was in the same boat. I was like, man, that clarification was really good. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. (laughs) I really needed that. (laughs) Yeah, it was very eloquently uh, said. Uh, Again, like I just said, it's like, yeah, I don't know how you formatted those words, but those were perfect. Oh, thank you. I thought I thought very long and hard about it. Um, So I'm glad that people get it. Yeah, so the thing that I was leaning into was I started retweeting other people who had done that joke. Mm-hmm. So one of them was like, no one. And then the wee fit is like, you're fat. So I like <laughs> retweeted it. And I was like, this is obese phobic. <laughs> and then my friend was like, I totally get what you mean now. It doesn't make sense when you put it that way. And I was like, yes, I know. <laughs> I feel like I'm going insane. Uh, have you gotten any How many vitriol? Those? Yeah. Go ahead. No, Aaron. I was going to ask her, did... How many of those people just felt like trolls and how many of those did you actually feel like were real people? I felt like most of them were real people who had misunderstood it, which I which is what I felt wow. guilty about because I was like I don't okay. want anyone to feel like I'm biphobic or I don't think bi people exist. Of course they exist. If anything I feel like they outnumber gay people at this point. Like I think everyone's a little bit bi. Um, and it was like a lot of bi people coming to me and telling me their story like I've been married to a man for whatever many years. Um, and I came out of the closet and that doesn't mean that like, I don't still love my husband. I I just like have this sexual awakening that I realize that now I love women as well. And I'm like, great, but are you white? And do you talk over people of color? Like when they're trying (laughs) to tell a story about their relationships, you know what I mean? Like, then I was like, I do feel sorry for all these people that, yeah, have said that. So that's the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How did the people feel about that nuanced explanation you had, like when you posted? I it? didn't read the comments to okay. that one. <laughs> I was like, if I read them, I will not stop responding, and I can't. I can't get into that. I, that I read like two, and yeah. they were like, except this point does still doesn't make sense, and I was like, nope, cutting it off now. <laughs> <laughs> what is your? I don't think you told us, but what is your Twitter ha- Twitter handle, by the way? Uh, it's hi Diana Chan. Okay. So my name, plus a hi nice. at the beginning. <laughs> Let's uh, get into a little bit about who you are, your origins. When did you get into comedy writing? Sure. Um, I So I'm from Southern California. I grew up there. I went to school there. And I was there for about two years after I graduated. And I just always wanted to move to New York. Um, I think I not going to college out of state felt like 
a mistake to me. Like I had never experienced anything outside of California before and I really wanted to move. Um, and after I graduated, I was super interested in like writing for a TV show. So I took all these classes at UCB. Um, I took like screenwriting classes. And then when I moved to New York, I continued doing UCB classes and I ended up meeting a lot of friends through that and then just doing comedy through there. So um, cool. I started doing sketch writing for about like three years. I just quit last year, I think. Yeah, last year. Um, and then from there, my friends and I started um, Flex Magazine, which is that satire website that was my credit earlier. Um, and I really loved doing that. It's been really great so far. We've gotten a really good response from it, and we have a lot of funny contributors who contribute argu articles. That's what's up. Uh, I want to get back to a couple of things. So born and raised in Southern California, you said? Mm -hmm. What part of Southern California? Um, L.A. County. But okay. like south of um, Los Angeles. Okay. Did you grow up around a lot of Asian people or was it more? I did not. Oh, okay. I grew up in a town that was like 85% Hispanic, okay. mostly Mexican. Um, my high school was like all Mexican people. Um, and I've told this story before, but like when I was younger, I would watch TV and like watch like Full House or something. And I didn't understand why everybody on that show was white because <laughs> I thought America was like full of Mexican people. <laughs> and I was like, everybody I know at school and like all my teachers and like friends are Mexican. And it's weird that like these people on TV are white. Like I just like had no experience with white people. <laughs> this is me at five years old. Like. Uh, just questioning <laughs> America, the state of America. Your childhood is every white person's fear, right? <laughs> and, but imagine my fear when I found out that the America was actually all white. Okay. <laughs> I was like, this is not the America I want to live in. It is, it is an interesting realization because I grew up in the Bay Area and mm -hmm. everybody I knew was Asian. I know, and yeah. So I know a lot of people from the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah, so when I uh, got... Uh, outside that bubble it's like oh crap america's so white yeah yeah it's <laughs> uh, weird that's how i felt when i went to college because i went to ucla and mm -hmm. i was like i'd never been around this many asian people mm -hmm. like i hadn't had like korean barbecue or like any of that stuff like when or boba really when i was in high school like it just wasn't around mm -hmm. um and then going to ucla it was like every single person was asian had grown up in an asian community mm -hmm. Um, and I just felt like really different from everyone. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So did you ever growing up wish that you were Hispanic? Yes, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> did you go through a phase where you were like assimilating uh, oh, no. Mexican culture without even yeah, knowing? Yeah, were you, were you cholo at, at any point? <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, what were I, your eyebrows like <laughs> growing up? They were pretty bushy. Okay. Because. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think about what years this was. <laughs> when I was younger, like maybe in elementary school, I would be like, I really wish I was Mexican because then I would get along with like, or like just <laughs> like understand what everyone else is going through yeah. and like just feel like like a part of this family uh -huh. <laughs> of friends that I had. Yeah. Um, and then I think maybe throughout like high school, I stopped thinking that. <laughs> what do you think happened in high school? Um, just more Asian people? No, not that there was more Asian people, just, like, had a different sense of self at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think um, okay. when I when I was younger, it was easy to be like, I wish I was someone else instead. And then, like, in high school, I don't know, just everyone's depressed. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be like anybody in high school. <laughs> okay. and then so are you very in touch with your family's culture? 
Um, so my family is Cambodian, and okay. they grew up in Cambodia, but there are a lot of them are ethnically Chinese. Um, so my maternal grandmother was from China, and she came to Cambodia, um, got married, and had all her children there. So, and the same thing with my dad's side, though I think he is a little bit more ethnically Cambodian. Um, okay. So, yeah, that whole identity thing is very confusing for me because I don't feel like 100% Chinese or 100% Cambodian at other times. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I meet Chinese people, I never feel like fully Chinese around them. And the same thing with Cambodian people. Like I just feel like at an in-between at all the times. Um but I do feel, like, in touch with both cultures at the same time. Okay. Do you, are you in touch with the Asian American culture? Oh, I definitely think <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, when you <laughs> found out about Boba, you're like, yes, I found out. <laughs> That's my new thing now, and I have to tell myself to stop buying it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the healthiest thing we've invented. <laughs> I know. I feel bad every time I have some. It's like, this is all sugar. <laughs> Okay. Uh, when did you start your comedy writing? Were you like hilarious as a kid? Um, I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. I feel like I I really liked like making people laugh when I was a little kid, but then I was also like afraid of adults. <laughs> and I had one teacher that was like, "You're too loud. Like you should be quiet." And <laughs> that like scarred me for the next till now. <laughs> and I like never really spoke up in class after that. Um, but I, yeah, I've always liked making people laugh, and it's a good defense mechanism. I think. Oh uh, yeah, join the club. I think I yeah. have a very similar. Uh, Everyone path. feels like that, right? <laughs> yeah, there's always yeah. like an authority figure. like, "Hey, stop making noise," and then you're like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, and this is when I was like. Myself five or six years old, yeah. and I was like, oh, no, this authority figure is mad at me. I'm going to change my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my whole life has just been about not being in trouble. Like, yeah, I, I know. Like, I'm going to follow all the rules. <laughs> and then you'll like me, right? And just I like want <laughs> all the adults to like me, just like every cool kid out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, when did you move to New York? Um, 2014. Okay. So yeah. it's been like five years now. Yeah. And you said you recently quit sketch comedy writing? Yes. So I was on a, an offshoot of UCB's sketch comedy series at their theater, mm-hmm. um, their Mod Night. Uh, we did a Boogie Manja. I don't know if you know of it. It's just like an offshoot of that. And we performed at the Pit Loft. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was writer on a team there for about three years, uh, which is way longer than anyone else stays <laughs> <laughs> usually usually people do like their first year and then they quit and do other things but i'm very bad at doing other things on my own so i was like a little bit nervous to quit um but yeah it's been fine uh, i started doing flex mag now and mm-hmm. it's that's taken up a majority of my comedy work oh, cool. and i really like doing it so did it just uh the fire just burn out or was yeah it it's hard for me to watch <laughs> sketch comedy now too <laughs> every time i go to a show i'm just like there's the beat and they're gonna do it three more times and it's gonna escalate and then they're gonna have a black outline and i'm like done deal <laughs> so what do you who do you think is the best sketch writing show or the spe- best sketch show of all time um i mean is anything still on aside I, from no, snl it doesn't have to be still on or could be with like an older SNL cast or what's your favorite sketch of all time? Let's start with that. I mean, I really loved the Kroll show when it was on. Um, 
it, it was one of my favorite ones. I loved all of his characters, and I'm obsessed with pop culture, and I think that him um, parroting all those reality shows just, like, really spoke to me. <laughs> um, so his, like, body... Bobby Bottle Service character is one of my favorites. (laughs) And Chelsea Peretti, who's my favorite comedian, um, plays, like, his ex-girlfriend in it. And she's just so funny in it. Yeah, she's pretty fantastic. Uh, She's just been in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but she has... I don't know if she still does a lot of stand-up, but I think... She actually um, quit Brooklyn Nine-Nine for this upcoming season. season. Um, I saw her do stand-up once or twice. And I think she's taken a break from it. Uh-huh. I don't know why I'm talking like I'm a, her manager. <laughs> um, but she... I, she just had her kid, right? I think She had a kid about, like, a year ago, I think. And okay. she just did another show recently in L.A. So I think she's mostly doing, like, small shows in L.A., like pop-up shows. Right. And you just said that you're a big fan of pop culture? Yes. Any specific genre of pop culture? Hmm... Like, have you seen Endgame? Oh, I don't care about <laughs> okay. any of that. <laughs> Are you into Game of Thrones nope. or all okay. the super popular stuff? Shit, no. <laughs> now I have to rethink what I just said about loving pop culture. Yeah, I, that is the poppiest of pop I culture. I know. I just don't care about superheroes or fantasy. Okay. Okay. I, like, so I always say my favorite type of movie is when like two people are in. Two people like examine their relationship, <laughs> and that's the whole <laughs> gist of the movie. That's my favorite shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are wearing a Beyonce shirt, so yes, I can only so I love Beyonce. <laughs> that's so that's Homecoming? the genre. That's basically the whole <laughs> genre. Yes, I saw Homecoming. It was incredible. Every time she releases something, and before I've had a chance to see it, there's all this, like, not even criticism, but just extreme praise for it on instagram or like blogs or whatever and i'm like yeah yeah that's cool i'm excited to see it and then i watch it and i was like shit this shit is amazing it is (laughs) she it's like i don't know why but she surprises me every time (laughs) she always puts on a great spectacle and that's what i can only describe it as because you're just watching it uh, I watch Beyonce the same way. I just saw Endgame. It's like it's very equivalent. Oh, really? <laughs> to is uh, Endgame your Beyonce? Oh, they're equivalent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I can't say one tops the other, except maybe Beyonce worked a little bit harder because I think she put in <laughs> eight months just to perfect a two-hour yeah. uh, story, whereas Endgame uh, took maybe two and a half years for three hours. So it's about <laughs> the it's same. A long movie. But the Beyonce production from top to b- bottom was thoroughly entertaining whereas you know i don't want to get to an end game review but <laughs> okay. yeah, it doesn't need I to be three hours i can leave you can do your review <laughs> but uh, uh homecoming just made me realize that jay-z doesn't do shit on stage oh my god <laughs> i laughed so hard when he came on stage he he did like two bars and was running out of breath he like skipped over a lyric and then he left after like 30 seconds and he was like, I'm out. <laughs> that was like the capacity for me. I think everybody in Beyonce's team understands what her audience wants from Jay-Z. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. Trot yourself it's out there. a short cameo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just want to see that yeah. you're alive yeah, 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 and yeah. then get backstage and take care of the kids. Just like <laughs> remind. You know, to, to his defense also, he's 50 years old. I know. So. And you can tell. <laughs> I know. Like, if my dad had to do four bars, I think he would probably do much worse than Jay-Z did. But But you know what? I feel like Beyonce at 50 would still be doing 
the exact same performance that she did at Coachella. Absolutely, but, absolutely. Yeah, Beyonce has but, like a history of building up that cardio where Jay Z never had. Yeah. To, that's uh, true. Run around. That's dance. true. He just has. Men to are run. so lazy. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I I wonder what Usher would look like at fifty, but I feel like he could probably he'd be all right. Not as bad as Jay. Definitely not. How old is Usher now? He uh, is. He's not young, right? No, he's not young. He's like his late thirties. Oh, okay. Probably approaching 40, 40 at this point. He's okay. 40. He's 40, exactly. Okay. Oh, so yeah. uh, I was having a conversation with this about a couple of people after Homecoming came out. And this is just where the conversation is going to go from now on. Yes, is, I love it. <laughs> is there anybody that you can see currently in pop culture that could put on a spectacle equivalent to Beyonce? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have thought about this, and I just feel like no one can compare to her, Like, and there's no point to. She's like her own... Um, category in itself. Like, Ariana Grande's great, and I love her also, but mm-hmm. she's just never going to be the same thing. Right. She's also, like, not really a dancer. Like, right. she she does great, and she does her best, and she does better than I could ever, but she's, like, a vocalist first, and mm-hmm. then she's incorporated all these other parts into her performances, whereas Beyonce has, like, always been a, like, full, full performer mm-hmm. in all aspects. I would argue... If I can argue, not very well, but I can argue there's probably maybe three people. Okay, that tell could me who probably you think do it. All right. Uh, and this is just in terms of spectacle production, right? Like you watch a show and you're like, oh my God, that's a fucking show. Mm-hmm. All right. One, obviously, is Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Because not to compare the two of them, make them rivals, but I'm just saying Rihanna has dance moves. She's yeah. not the best. She's not Beyonce. She's not Usher or Chris Brown or anything, but she can move. She doesn't, she's not a static performer. Uh, and she has a the catalog to put on that length of a performance because Beyonce, she's been performing s- for so long that she just has banger after banger after banger. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Rihanna, it doesn't have as long of a career, but you know, long enough where she can fill two hours. Right. Uh, second is Kanye. Not that he dances, but his creativity, he could mm-hmm. uh, dress it up more or less. Yes, he's definitely someone with a vision and yeah, like can execute it. Like the visuals, uh, all of his concerts have always been as visually stunning as um, audibly uh, pleasing. And then the third, this is going to be the hardest one to sell, but Justin Timberlake could probably do it too. Because he can sing, he can dance, and he does have a catalog that mm-hmm. could back I it did up. see Justin Timberlake in concert mm-hmm. in, like, 2012, mm-hmm. and he was incredible. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. He's not Beyonce, though. He's not Beyonce. <laughs> no one is Beyonce. No, I'm not saying, hey, do this, and then you get the crown. That's not what I'm yeah, saying. I'm yeah. just saying it's, like, uh, in the annals of uh, pop culture and production and, like, a Coachella performance where you go, like, oh, my God, that was spectacular. Yeah. Not to say any of them could ever surpass Beyonce, but at least have a conversation where it's like oh was that that was pretty good was that beyonce good yeah that's what i'm saying i see where you're coming from but i think for me (laughs) beyonce holds like such a special (laughs) place in my heart that like i think of her as like a god or Mm -hmm. like a religion and like just her whole professional presence is not the same as anybody else's correct and i like I don't aspire to be like her. Mm-hmm. I just like look up to her so much. Whereas like with Rihanna, I would love to be Rihanna. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like they're just What about separate. Ariana Grande? I love Ariana Grande. I'm probably one of her biggest fans, honestly. I, I think her music's really great and I think that she's very good at like talking to her fans. Um but I think she's, she's not really funny. Beyonce at all. She's not. 
No, no one is Beyonce. <laughs> and that. That's good. That's good point. Maybe Blue. <laughs> They'll groom Blue. Oh, actually, Beyonce. that might be it. <laughs> she was adorable in the yeah. documentary. Yeah, people love Blue as much as they love Beyonce, but just maybe as an <laughs> extension of Beyonce. That's why they love her so much. Yeah, she is a literal yeah. extension of I Beyonce. I mean, I feel like a lot of people feel, uh, and this could just be coming from a male perspective, but people used to feel the same way um, about Kanye before he w- went more insane, <laughs> mm-hmm. that uh, the way people still feel about Beyonce. Like, if he had never turned left and married Kim Kardashian, you know, like in an alternate universe, if his mom never died, mm-hmm. who knows uh the kind of idolatry true. we would have with Kanye because the way he influenced everybody is um, you can't even measure. Yeah. And same thing with Beyonce. Yeah. 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 And so like, Di- Diane, I was going to ask you, how do you feel about Jay Z now? Because <laughs> uh, it's like you're, you're a big uh, Beyonce fan and I'm a huge Jay Z fan, but I'll tell you, I just want to know how you and like the hive perceive him now. Um, I mean, obviously he should not have cheated on his wife. <laughs> or did he cheat on his wife? I'm a Jay Z truther, where I think they yeah, made it all too. up. Oh, really? Well, I, so I, think, I think it's 100 fabricated. <laughs> yeah. I don't even care what the truth is. Yeah. I like even her pregnancy rumors. Like I don't know if you guys know that rumor that she never gave birth to Blue and I, it was a I surrogate. Yeah. yeah. She had a surrogate and or something. Yeah. People have asked me that too, and they're like, "Do you think it's true or not?" And I'm like, "I don't care if it's true or not. If it's true." That's amazing that she pulled it off. (laughs) And if it's not, that's amazing that people care this much to come up with this crazy rumor. Where do you think uh, Kim Kardashian got the idea of having a surrogate from? Oh, my God. Was that it? It I never thought about (laughs) We're putting it out there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Kim wants to be Beyonce's The Kardashian Wests are just in competition with the Knowles Carter. Yes. (laughs) Constantly. So Kim Kardashian purposely had one of the worst pregnancies of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Just so she could get a surrogate or have an excuse to get a surrogate. Yeah, she's like, look, my baby's a uh, surrogate born just like yours. Can we be friends now? And they're like, no. no. They're like, oh, I'm sorry, who's this? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, damn, she had twins. <laughs> how do I get twins? <laughs> yeah. how do, how do it's very twins? easy yeah. for celebrities to get twins. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, let's go back to, oh, wait, uh, how do you feel about Jay-Z? Did you ever fully answer that? Like you said, obviously, he should have never cheated. But what are your yeah, feelings that's, about that's Jay? Yeah, that's all said. I don't, oh, I don't think um, she cares. Yeah, I don't know how much I care. Um, I only care because he is in Beyonce's life, mm-hmm. and she <laughs> needs him, and he will never be let go. <laughs> <laughs> they need each other. They're very codependent now, and that's good. Yeah. Because really, yeah. Who, like, who could, like, should they ever, like, part ways? Who could really ever fill that? Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine Beyonce dating. Yeah, dating something like yeah. single mom Beyonce. She would probably just go the Oprah route or like the Queen of England where she has a guy, but he's just like off to the side. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what she has now? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit more accomplished than Stedman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah no, whoever no, the no. Queen's dating. I'm oh, sorry. That's say. not what I meant to say. <laughs> Um, like he's accomplished a little bit. But yeah, like no, he, that's how deep and dark that shadow that uh, Beyonce casted over Jay Z is. <laughs> he was so much more successful than yeah. her when they got together. Well, well he has to like yeah. go publicly, like he has to go the woke route. I think uh, in business, he still brings in as much money, hopefully, but it doesn't matter. Oh, I think <laughs> yeah, the two of them yeah. bring in a ton of money because yeah, yeah, yeah. he has oh, a yeah. bunch of other companies that he right. works with. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember when she came out here uh, to perform at the halftime show. It's like they posted like the Airbnb she stayed at like a couple weeks later, and it was like twenty grand a night. And I was like, that's God insane. Damn. Like, I mean, that's, that's a lot to us, but in retros like in relative uh, to them, terms, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like you know a two hundred dollar night. Yeah, for, that's <laughs> true. Uh, They're like, oh, we booked it for a week, so we got a deal. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm sure they're looking for deals when they're picking out Airbnbs. You know, that's how you stay rich. You got to yeah, look yeah. for that's the right, deals. That's right. yeah, Any Asian person changed. will tell you that. <laughs> oh. So I, I got a question for you, Diana. Yeah. Because um, I was trying to do some research about you before you came on the show. Oh, no. And what is it like having a, a more famous person with the exact same name? Because every time I tried to Google you, I get the Is uh, it the real the estate? Winner. Yeah, no, not the real estate. It was the winner. Oh, um, of like Top Chef Omo. Australia? Yeah, Top Chef Australia. And I was just like, is this the same person? I was like, no, this is not the same person. Like, do you get um, mistaken for that a lot? Oh, no, no one's Googling me. I'm a, I'm a nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy for the other Diana Chan <laughs> Top Chef Master winner. Um, No, when I was like Googling my name a couple of years ago, the top hit was this real estate agent in Canada. <laughs> and I was oh, like, nice. I just really want my domain to be dianachan.com, but <laughs> she has it. And I guess <laughs> she deserves it because she came first. You should get Diana Chan real estate just to... Uh, <laughs> 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 That's a good flex. <laughs> and on there is just comedian writing. Yeah. Do you need any comedy written? <laughs> just be like, or, hey, I'm holding this uh, domain hostage until yeah. the other Diana Chan <laughs> swaps it. <laughs> Or you could Photoshop yourself poorly in all of her real estate photos, <laughs> yeah. just saying like, "Give me my, give me my domain back." Yes, that's a good idea. Does one of you want to do it for me? Because I will not commit to this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's gonna cost twenties of dollars that I don't oh, have to spare. I don't have that either. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's talk about uh, Flex magazine sure. real quick. Uh, that's Flex with two X's. Yes. All right. So it's F. L-E-X-X-M-A-G dot com if anybody wants to check it out. As you all should. Uh, so tell us about the origins. How did it come about and uh, your role in it and where do you see it going? Yeah. Um, so my friend Millie that I met through comedy in New York, um, she came up with the idea and then she assembled a group of us to be writers and editors on it. Um, so the way it works is... We were writing most of the content before we launched. So we had written like maybe, I don't remember, 30 or 40 pieces of content. Um, and this was back in like August 2016 when we first started having meetings for it. And then we were, we were meeting like intermittently around then for like the next couple of months. And we didn't officially launch until June 2017, so last June, so that we would have like a bunch of articles on the sites. Um, and then we were open to submissions as well. And people were using the pitch app to submit. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Mm -mm. The comedy app. Um, yeah, it's like where you can submit um, like jokes and pitches and then people like rate on or like vote on them, right? Correct. Like and yeah. I think the Onion and like ClickHole uses it. So they'll put out a topic like, uh, I, don't, I don't even know, like family gatherings and then people will pitch different um, headlines like based off family gatherings and then other users can upvote them so anyone who has like a really high vote 
they'll get paid for that headline and then an onion writer will take it and write their piece on it. Um, so that's the way the onion works. Like sometimes the person who pitched the headline doesn't write the article. Mm -hmm. Um, for us, it was just easier to have whoever wrote the article or wrote the pitch, write the article. Um, so we were using that to get pitches and like Millie had her contacts from the diverse as fuck festival that she created a couple of years ago. And then also other people of color that she knew, um, and anybody who is like a writer or comedian who wants to pitch to the website can, like we're pretty open for submissions. Um, so we just meet weekly and ed edit all of those submissions to be in our voice. Um, and then we put them on the website. And we also have a live show that we've done two of. Uh, and it's us, the editors, doing like a di bunch of different bits and presentations. Oh, promote the live right. show. When does it happen? So we just had one a couple of weeks ago, um, earlier in April, I think. And the next one is August 8th, and it's going to be at Caveat in the Lower East Side. So if anybody wants to come, be great to see you all there, whoever's listening. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, and this is a magazine for people of color? Yes. Yeah, so it's a satire website for people of color. So like The Onion or reductress or click hole or like any of those um but our main focus is like people of color so if you have something you want to write about like your experiences as a person of color that you want to satirize that's like something that we're looking for is this like a fubu thing is it for us bias is it the people uh, in well the writer's room predominantly people of color um well the editors are all people of color okay. so it's millie she's dominican I don't know if it's weird that I'm, like, giving out the racial makeup <laughs> of our group. It's like a baseball card on the yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> um, me, Asian. Uh, we have a black man named Del. Um, two Puerto Rican brothers, <laughs> Alex and Taylor. And then a Native American man, Dash. Okay, a little bit of everything. Yeah. And what then also uh, Melanie. Uh, she is Colombian. Okay. Did you guys all come together because you guys found that other writer or other gatekeepers wouldn't give people of color as much opportunities um i don't know it was mostly millie who pulled everyone together okay. um probably based on our submissions because the po people had been submitting stuff to her and then she just put together this group mm -hmm. yeah so okay. we're all people of nice. color okay yeah okay and then but we have writers that are white as well um which is fine <laughs> <laughs> as long as their pitches are funny okay sometimes they're not <laughs> it's not their fault <laughs> And to be fair, not everybody who's of color <laughs> pitches uh, are great either. So <laughs> nice. That even. is correct. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. very profound. You still have to be talented. Yes, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, there are some pitches that we've taken that and we've completely rewritten them. Um, just because some people are not great writers. And that's fine. They're trying their best. Uh, and it's hard to like get into comedy and like connect and make a network with somebody. Um, so, but I, I feel like happy to take on anybody's work and, you know, it's really exciting to see your piece on the website for people who like don't have other avenues to go through. Did you go to college for writing? Um, no, I studied sociology and film. Oh, okay. All right. And through film you got into writing? Um, sociology? yeah, I mean, like I said, I always liked pop culture, so oh. I liked movies and TV shows and music and I always wanted to do something within that realm. Um, it was only after I graduated that I, like, thought about writing it as a possibility. Um, 
I mean, UCLA wasn't really great for like creative writing uh, majors there. It was like f- very focused on pre-med and like business economics. Um, right. So I, I like never really thought about that as a possibility until I graduated. And it seemed like at that time, that was when everybody was doing like UCB classes. Mm-hmm. And l- everyone who had done a UCB class was on TV mm-hmm. or like had or was writing for TV. Um, and so I thought that was like the avenue to go through from like, I'm not super familiar with uh, UCB. Uh, it's just from outside looking in just because I was I'm from the Bay. So we didn't really have a lot oh of right. I- industry stuff mm-hmm. uh, or anything as kind of focused as UCB. There's it's getting better now. Uh, I think Emron's part of a collective called Killing My Lobster. Yeah. So there is that improv or sketch? It's sketch. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, just through comedy, the scuttlebutt is that UCB is very white. And oh yeah. yes, yeah, okay. for sure. <laughs> All right. It's very frustrating um, because I feel like they think they're trying their hardest, but trying their hardest is like adding one black person to their eight-person team. Of all seven whites and then one black person, okay. and they're like, "We did it!" <laughs> I'm just like, "Okay." Um, right. I, and I don't know what that is. Like, I it's probably that this like white male guy with glasses and plaid t-shirt, plaid button-down shirt like type of comedy is what they're looking for because that's like s- it's like an insular environment and that's like what they find the funniest. Um, right. Yeah, and people like have gotten upset about that and have like been been vocal about their lack of diversity on teams and then what they do is just like add one one black person to one of their teams <laughs> and like now it's gotten a little bit more diverse so there's like an asian person on a team now <laughs> um but y- like it's still not as good as it could be of course yeah you know and a lot of times um Anyways, I'm probably blacklisted from UCB now, so. (laughs) (laughs) Off of that, or did you (laughs) do something else prior? Probably probably off of this. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) It's okay. I don't think uh, any platted (laughs) white guys listen to this podcast. Thank (laughs) God. (laughs) But that's also noticeable in just the stand-up comedy scene uh, as well. It's just like, uh, ah, a lot of platted white guys. Yeah. (laughs) I literally went to a show on Thursday, and the guy that sat in front of me was a white guy with glasses and a (laughs) button-up t-shirt, and I was like. But this how will people know you're funny if you don't look that way? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's always uh, funny when you're in watching comedy and uh, for stand-up s- specifically, like you have lineup of like white guy after white guy. But if you have like two back-to-back Asian people, it's like, oh shit, is it Asian night? Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. <it's> like, <laughs> like you just went through like ten white guys. And yeah. You just put two combo breakers in. And yeah. Now, like you're <laughs> completely thrown off your game. But like we gotta reset our mindset about this. Yeah. Every time. UCB like scrambled their teams I'd look at it and I'd count how many people of color were put on their teams and it was always like one per team or like zero per team or like two on another team but it's like just seemed so calculated like as long as we put one on there we're not gonna people aren't gonna get mad at us um, yeah have you heard of uh, or tried to work with Asian as fuck or Asian AF um, I, I have heard with them I, I am not that um, into the comedy scene, so I guess they don't know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to work with them; that'd be great. Because I, I think they're U- they're a UCB Asian American team, right? I think uh, they perform think so. at UCB. They I don't do, know yeah. how affiliated they are. Like, I don't know if it's like a, a UCB production. I oh, think okay. they are not. 
and they now have a stage at UCB. Yeah. But I could be wrong. I don't know that much about it. I th- well, from what <laughs> the shows that they post, I think they've uh, expanded beyond UCB because now they're doing like independent theaters. Um, but oh, I think okay. their home is still UCB when it's like in LA and New York. Yeah, for some reason I thought they started at a different stage and then ended up getting a UCB slot. I like how we're all just piecing this yeah. together. <laughs> 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 Someone's going like, to email uh, you like, get your facts straight, man. <laughs> it's like, no. Like, um, I like to just speculate. <laughs> the show is called The Bad Asian Show, not The Factual Asian yeah. Show. <laughs> That's what I love about the show. We can always have it out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Should we be talking about more Asian stuff? Do you want to talk about Asian stuff? Like, do you ever get a chance to talk about Asian things? Because that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast. Um, yeah. What should I talk about? <laughs> uh, I, I read one of your more recent articles about um, SNL. It's like, we did it. We got all the Asian people on SNL. Yeah. Diversity, so. yeah I, was, I wrote that because I was thinking about how Aquafina and Sandra Oh both hosted this year. Mm-hmm. And that was two Asians in one year. And yeah. I was like, I wonder if they're just like clapping themselves on the back right now. Like, we I did mean, it. If it's that UCB model, then absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they couldn't have them host back to back. That would have been that would have oh, been crazy. <laughs> People are going to be like, this is Asian SNL now. But are you in any kind of Asian? Like, do you hang around a lot of Asian people, or is it more diverse? Um. Yeah, so it's interesting. When I was in high school, I met, like, a, a few more Asian people that are now my friends still. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I went to college, it was, like, everybody there was Asian, and I ended up joining a club that was predominantly Asian, and I made a f- lot of friends through there. Um, but I don't know. Now I feel like I've gotten less Asian friends. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just weeded them out, only the strongest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I feel like the Asian community in New York is maybe a little bit different. It is so different. Okay. It it is the most different. Right, because you're from Bay Area. So do you feel like the Asians in New York either don't really connect with their Asian identity because they're from, like, Vermont or like yeah. a, a small town or yeah. whatever that they, they didn't have a lot of Asian people to hang out with. And then now in New York, they're either like don't hang out with Asian people or like are really obsessed with having a group of Asian friends. Yeah, it's very uh, bipolar <laughs> in that regard. Because uh, I, I thought about this and I'm like, yeah. am I a dick for thinking this? <laughs> I think uh, coming out here, it's made me take uh, uh, it's made me appreciate growing up in a bubble a mm-hmm. lot more. Because sometimes the way the uh, a lot of people and this is just from mainly like YouTubers based in like SoCal because mm-hmm. that's a lot of where like the YouTubers are. Um, they make it seem like if you're in the Asian bubble, it's like a bad thing and you should get out and explore more, which you could. You On know? YouTube, they, they make yeah, it yeah. that? Yeah, they, they make it seem like uh, Asian people, and this is predominantly, I think, that what they're talking about on the West Coast, is that Asian people live in a bubble. Okay, which yes, we that's do, correct, yeah. Which we do, but it's great, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bubble, but it also is nice in a way that, like, you're not constantly thinking about your Asian-ness, yes. which I sometimes feel like New Yorker Asians do. Yeah. And that makes me a little bit sad because I'm like, it, like, I don't know. It does. It makes me uh, pity in the most uh, that like 
pity in the most accurate definition of the word pity. You know, it's like, oh, I'm sad for you, but also I'm kind of sad for you because a lot of Asian people from the East Coast or the West Coast, or not West Coast, like what am I trying to say? Asian people not on the West Coast, I feel like, are a lot sadder than people from the West Coast. Correct. Because they don't grow up with as strong or as bountiful of a community. Yeah. So one thing that I find very common is that they grew up like around a lot of white people. Yeah. And they would get made fun of for being Asian. Right. Whereas for myself, I grew up uh, with a lot of Asian people. So if I got made fun of, it's for who I am and not necessarily my Asian-ness. Right. So it's what you said. It's like you don't have to think about your Asian-ness. You just walk around. It's like, I'm a human being. Exactly. Uh, and then the people out here, they have a harder time. But I feel in the stand-up community, like I come to bond a lot easier like anytime i'm around asian people i feel like an instant connection so like i bond to them a lot quicker just because in my mind there's a commonality that we all share but i don't think they have that kind of same views like no my life and upbringing is completely different from yours like i didn't have that same west coast fun asian life yeah oh okay but we can still hang out right yeah just based off of uh, the way we look (laughs) (laughs) i mean on the other side of that coin i do feel like that insular Asian community on the West Coast, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't open you up to other communities. Correct. Um, so those groups of Asian people would only ha- hang out with other Asian people, and they don't know, like, what other people of color are going through or suffering through. Absolutely. And they have so much less empathy for them. 100%. And that makes me very sad, because I do feel like, Asian people are some of the most racist out there and they're also like the most intelligent. And it's like, it, if you would just like get out of your bubble and like learn to see what other people are going through, you could change that, but they don't want to. Yeah. It's like, uh, how do you teach empathy? How do you think that would be the best way to teach empathy? I don't know. It's so hard because you don't want to be like, you should go find a like, latino friend to make and then talk to them you know like it's it's weird to be to say something like that but that's pretty much it you know like you don't want to be picking your friends on their diversity but that's the only way you're going to be able to find out how other people are living and feel empathy for them it's one of those things that you kind of have to let happen organically yeah but yeah so so, so it's like you said uh like if you go out and it's like i'm gonna meet a black person today it's like right that like sounds you can't say that <laughs> <laughs> but like if you do meet a black person yeah. you should be open to being friends with them yeah. like and i feel like a lot of west coast asians are just like oh no my friends are asian i'm gonna like pass on that uh, yeah i mean that's where things like pop culture come into being because like again i grew up in a bubble i didn't grow up like uh, around like a lot of black people uh, so whenever when I first learned like, like black people really love anime, I was like, oh shit! Of course they that's, would. Yeah, that's why a wouldn't thing. they? <laughs> why wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> or when Dude, dra- yeah. Dragon Ball Z speaks to everybody. <laughs> Every young male loves. Dragon <laughs> <Ball>. <laughs> Every young male loves Dragon Ball and Naruto or whatever yeah. is out there right whatever now. Whatever it is, just is. any dude channeling his inner power to solve all his problems speaks to every teenage dude <laughs> it's like every story. young man wants to solve his problems with violence <laughs> it's like Absolutely. that's what we all have to understand yeah. Absolutely. and then just like every young girl can look up to beyonce i think that's a unifying force for everybody <laughs> there you go so we need pop culture <laughs> that's where that serves in because you know are you can... are you calling dragon ball z beyonce of anime <laughs> beyonce wishes she was as impactful <laughs> as dragon ball z emron <laughs> she wishes 
good, because I was about to correct you, and I'm glad we're on the same page. So we finally found the one person who surpasses Beyonce. Well, yeah, it's Goku. The fictional character. Four times. That's how many times. Oh, you think Beyonce goes through transformations? Have you met Goku? Uh, no way. Uh, but yeah, I don't watch anime, so I barely got the oh, gist okay. of it. <laughs> All right, so let. Uh, let this is a thing that Emron and I like to do with guests who are Asian. Uh, the show is called Bad Asian. Have yeah, you heard yeah. of the term Bad Asian before? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, we're not going to explain it to people. Uh, we're just going to assume you know. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm like, is there another definition that I should be aware of? Uh, okay, so we will. <laughs> <laughs> so Bad Asian is uh, whenever you fail to live up to somebody's social expectation or cultural stereotypes. That's the the most kind of generic definition of it okay so yeah. it's different from like uh a asian person who is an awful human being like oh we, okay. we joke that tila tequila is a bad asian but like she's yeah, also yeah. a bad human being right <laughs> more right. than she is a bad asian so uh like i'm a bad asian because i don't believe in ghosts like that's a big uh, thing okay. <laughs> in asian culture yeah uh but for yourself how are you a bad asian oh easy i don't speak either language oh okay yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. i bring great shame <laughs> to my family <laughs> uh how, do your parents speak chinese or Cambodian? so the thing is my parents speak both chinese and cambodian Damn. but they grew up in cambodia so their right. first language is cambodian mm -hmm. and their parents would speak chinese to them mm -hmm. so they learned both mm -hmm. But for me, everyone in my family speaks Cambodian to each other, mm -hmm. and I'm not hearing it in my head. Like, right. when I'm around them, I'm mm -hmm. hearing Cambodian. Mm -hmm. But they put me in Chinese school for, like, 10 years. Of course they did. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> Saturdays were booked for 10 years. <laughs> oh, man. Um, they put me in Chinese school for 10 years, and I, like, you can't learn a language one day a week and not also hear it outside yeah. of, yeah. like, the classroom. Um, How good is your Spanish, though? My Spanish was very good when I took it in high school. I ha I only took two years because that was the requirement. Um, yeah. And then I never went back to it. And I was really good at it. And I really regret not continuing it because I don't remember any of it now. Oh, man. And I was, I was able to pick it up so easily, obviously, at my high school um, right. where everyone is a Spanish speaker. Um, okay. But, yeah. So that's so why I don't know. You either. must have had a like uh, that's like Inception bad Asian because it's like a Chinese person. <laughs> like you're Chinese, but you're like looked at a as a bad Chinese person because you can't speak in Chinese. But then on top of that, you're Cambodian and you're like a bad Cambodian because you can't speak Cambodian. <laughs> the thing is, I can understand both languages oh, that's pretty dope. well. Oh, yeah, okay, that's perfect, that. um, okay. I don't know which one I understand more or mm -hmm. less. <laughs> like I feel like maybe it's Cambodian just because I can hear it all the time. Mm -hmm. And I can pick up when people are mad at me. <laughs> um, and like Chinese, I don't hear as much. But I also do hear a little bit more because it's more commonly spoken. So like, you know, on TV or like walking around, like you hear people speaking Chinese and you don't really hear people speaking Cambodian. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Yes, uh, especially in New York, not too many Southeast Asians out here or yeah. as much as Chinese people. Yeah. Uh, so whenever I hear Vietnamese, like it just reminds me of home or something. It's like, ah, oh, this is so good to hear. Are you fluent? Uh, no, I'm conversational, but I'm not. Do you speak Vietnamese to your parents? Yes, because they don't understand English. Oh, okay. So I speak English to my parents, <laughs> and I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's your so parents' you fault for learning English. And <laughs> you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if they wanted you to speak uh, either language, they never should have picked up English. There's also, like, another layer to mm -hmm. that, because my mom speaks 
Mandarin, and then my grandmother, her mother, was from Hainan, so she speaks Hainanese. Um, and I don't, I like used to be able to speak Hainan to my grandmother when she was alive, but after she passed, I don't really know it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that language. I don't know Mandarin. My dad is from Chuchao, so he speaks that dialect of Chinese. And I also don't know that one. <laughs> and everybody on my dad's side is fluent in Chuchao, except for me. <laughs> oh, dang. That is. That's like, confusing. how many languages did I miss out on? So confusing. Uh, four. four. Yeah. Yeah, but you nailed English. So. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you fucked up Spanish, five. so that's five. Shit. <laughs> so you let down your family and then your adopted family. <laughs> and I can barely speak English, too. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Queen's English, anyways. <laughs> yeah. So being Cambodian, did you grow up with any anti-Vietnamese sentiment at all in the house? Um, I don't know that we knew that many Vietnamese people. One of my best friends is Vietnamese. Um, but like for as far as my parents, I don't know that they have Vietnamese friends or anything. And we would go eat Vietnamese food all the time. So Yeah, Emran, why do you think that Cambodians would have anti-Vietnamese sentiment? Yeah. Uh, because of where they're located? <laughs> Do you know the history of Cambodia and Vietnam? Are you asking me? Yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. I read it right, uh, right where we were talking. <laughs> 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 All right, Diana. Uh, which culture has the better food, Chinese or Cambodian? Um, I don't know what Cambodian food really is. Oh, sometimes, okay. um, my mom cooks everything, and she, like, I don't know if it's Chinese or Cambodian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I've tried to look this up, like which dishes that I've eaten are Cambodian. And I personally just like, like Thai food. (laughs) 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 Like I, that's like the food that I grew up eating and the flavors that I grew up eating. It's like Thai and Vietnamese, like lemongrass. That's probably like a good explanation of what Cambodian food probably is. Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) It's like, they're all like, use the same ingredients Mm -hmm. pretty much. Um, like the... The most popular Cambodian dish is this, like, fermented fish paste, mm-hmm. and I cannot eat that. <laughs> <laughs> Too strong? Yeah. Or did you it's not? like the kimchi of um, Cambodian food, except I cannot digest it. <laughs> <laughs> did you just grow up not eating a lot of it, or you just never gravitated towards it? Um, my parents just, like, would not give it to me. They're oh. just like, oh, you probably won't like this, and they're right, because it smells really bad. Oh. <laughs> Different approaches your uh, parents took with <laughs> the, uh, you that my parents took with me. Because my parents like, eat it. <laughs> yeah, no, my parents made me eat everything. Uh-huh. But I feel like with really hardcore Cambodian uh. stuff like that fermented fish paste, they were just like, just don't even bother. <laughs> She's not going to like it. <laughs> I think I was a very uh, difficult uh, kid. Like I was more picky than I was th- uh, now. And so whenever I do eat the full accoutrements of Vietnamese food presented in front of me. My parents are like, oh, shit, you eat this now? Oh, I love Vietnamese food. It's pretty great. I'm like, there's <laughs> nothing bad about it. <laughs> what was, like, the hardest thing for you to eat? Oh, uh, I don't know. I'm just a kid. So it's like, uh, it, and I think it's just a kid growing up in America. So it's like you, you never see Vietnamese food presented in America so or uh, in television. So it's like you assume that, you know, pizza, hamburgers. Is that So that's what you ate? No, I ate Vietnamese food, but it's like uh, I didn't feel like I liked it as much as the American food. But then uh. as I grew older and like my taste buds developed, uh, yeah, it's like, oh, no, it's like American food is like Shit. it's fun. 
it's fun and easy to eat, but I prefer Vietnamese food or Asian food in general. Yeah, so do I. So my mom cooked for us every single day when I was younger, yeah. and that's like what I grew up eating and the only thing I knew how to eat. So I didn't eat anything for a long time. Like I didn't eat burgers or like pizza. Like I had those things, but like just on a special occasion. Yeah. And like going to high school and college and like people were eating all, the, all this different stuff, I would be just so picky about it just because – I didn't grow up eating that stuff. Did your mom, like, make American food for you? Never. Oh, it was okay. always, like, rice and then, like, sautéed vegetables and, like, a meat dish. W- did your mom work? No, she didn't work. Oh, yeah. It's like, I was, uh, fa- I'm always fat because, like, uh, my m- I grew up with a single mom. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, where did you find time to cook and go to work? So oh, so yeah, I, yeah. I can't. <laughs> I don't know how she did it because, like, when I tried to do it, it was like, this is a lot of work. I know. It <laughs> and is. on top of that, raising three ungrateful children (laughs) (laughs) uh yep my i'm just as ungrateful obviously um yeah my mom had lupus when i was about like four Mm -hmm. so she was working as an accountant before that and then after that she had to stay at home to take care of me and my sister Mm -hmm. so that was her full-time job just like taking care of the two of us was your dad there my dad was there okay so he he worked um and my family owned a business so they all worked there what kind of business um, it's a whole f- wholesale business, so mm. they sell to like it's like a Costco, like a family-owned Costco. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Were you like pretty well off as a kid? Not at all. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. I got a full ride to college. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're a good agent in that regard. Yep. Yeah. I know how to take the free money. <laughs> I know how to get the free money and take the free money. <laughs> Did you have guidance as a kid? Like your parents kind of put you in positions to succeed. Like, um, hey, you got to do this because this is how, like, life works. I think they thought what they were doing was guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, me looking back on it, I'm like, uh, there weren't enough arts programs, like, mm-hmm. where we grew up. It's kind of like a poor neighborhood. Um, my high school wasn't the best high school. <laughs> there was, like, no, like, creative writing programs, none of that, um, that I feel like could have helped me figure out what I wanted to do in life sooner. Mm-hmm. Um but other than that, like, my mom always told me, like, getting an education is really important. Studying is really important. And, like, yeah. Yeah. So when I say guidance, it's like, yes, you understand that studying is important, getting a good education is important. But for me, my mom told me the same thing. But I was, was like, how? How do I study? <laughs> how do I get a good education? And she's like, just go to school and listen to the teachers. Oh, but yeah. Like then, yes. That, same thing. <laughs> that, I was like, no, I, I don't understand this. Somebody need, like, needs to hold my hand through this. So did you not know how to study the whole time? <laughs> no, I, I really didn't. It's like I, I realize now like I'm a smart person, but I just didn't know how to like. Did you do well in school? I did like for having no guidance. I did pretty well in school. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, my parents both like we're not native English speakers, so yeah. they couldn't help me on my homework or any of that. Yeah, it's like yeah. same here. So it's like, oh, I have no help here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Then yes, I did everything by myself. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't have tutors or anything. I was just me figuring it out. But I also went to like kind of a shitty high school, so yeah. my homework was easy as hell. <laughs> I was like at the top <laughs> of my class all the time because, <laughs> it, yeah, the education system <laughs> is broken. <laughs> Were you valedictorian? No. Nah, okay. Guess I wasn't that good. <laughs> My mom will never let me <laughs> let that down. <laughs> Live that down. Or are you? What's one step beneath valedictorian? 
Salutatorian. Oh, were you that? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I graduated like sixth of my class. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. 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 I mean, I that's not Asian people. good, but that's I know, pretty good. I know. I'm like, I'm embarrassed that I said six. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of our listeners are just turning out right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I thought this was about successful people. <laughs> Oh, I hope not. I hope our listening listeners are t- turning uh, tuning in just to like learn how to be successful because I have no answer for <laughs> anybody. Well, it's called bad Asian, so yeah. why not? Yeah, this is kind of the opposite of a Gary V podcast, to be honest. Oh, so uh, growing up around a lot of Mexicans, uh, did you have that expectation from your parents to like date only Asian people? Um, I never talked about dating with my parents. Okay. <laughs> Well, like, I mean, did you have like a sex talk with your mom? N- no, no, right. N- but I have dating talks with my parents. Oh, <laughs> where really? It's like date Asian. Oh, I don't think <laughs> I tried to think about that recently. Mm-hmm. I don't think that my parents ever said anything. Okay. But I also didn't date for a very long time. Out of choice or just circumstance? Circumstance. Yeah. Sure. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> so they didn't have anything to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's very rare then, because like a lot of times, like Emron, you had your parents tell you you had to marry Muslim, right? Yeah. I had or was it just implied Muslim. you have to marry no. whatever's closest? <laughs> I had to marry a Muslim Indian woman in particular. Did that you? What was no, I'm not married, okay. but my girlfriend is Jewish, so. Oh no. The exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> it really is the exact opposite of what. What they did wanted. they say? <laughs> Are um, they over? They're, I mean, I'm old enough now, and they're old, so they just want me to be, quote-unquote, happy. It's so they, funny how parents put these guidelines, and at a certain point, they just have to get over it. They just, or they just give up. That's yeah. That's basically what it is. They're just like. Did your parents have any guidelines for your life? It's like, hey, you have to do this or this. Not that they, I had to do things, mm-hmm. but they expected me to make a ton of money by now, and I'm <laughs> pretty broke, so. Your dad's like, I'm tired of selling. Failed. I'm tired of competing with Costco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he just wants me to break him out of the Costco <laughs> jail that he's in. <laughs> um, that's the only thing, really. They just wanted me to make a ton of money, and I did not do that, so. Oh. Sorry. Were <laughs> you pre-med? I, I know that you said that you went to school for... Oh, no. I knew immediately that I was too dumb to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, was terrible at math and science um, and was only good at writing. So that's what I wanted to do. I felt the okay. same way. Well, I felt like uh, I was pretty good at those things, but I didn't care about it to, like, really dedicate my whole life to crunching numbers and then looking you were good at math and science uh yeah i was pretty good at okay. math and science again like i think i'm a very smart person but it's just i didn't have any guidance to like focus yeah oh that's uh, the other way that i'm a bad asian yeah. i'm bad at math okay. and science how <laughs> bad at math though because you have to be okay at math to like get a scholarship right um no oh i don't know what S- do i just got like all financial aid like it was mostly financial aid and then maybe like one or two small scholarships oh okay. yeah Sorry, it's just a uh, no. I think I'm. I could have been a pretty good doctor if I w- cared to be. But then, like, I watch TV shows with doctors in it. It's like uh, it's kind of gross profession. <laughs> it's like, and those are 100% accurate too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we had a doctor on the <laughs> on the podcast. Oh, once really? <laughs> yeah, and he described it. it's like uh, things are dramatized. But I'm just saying from like you know you have to come in and deal with people who are sick yeah and to go back to empathy is like i don't care about sick people (laughs) (laughs) 
So you need to be taught empathy for sick people. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it's if, also like, if you're fine and healthy, do you want to be surrounded by sick people? That's just kind of gross. That's true. I mean, yeah, I feel like I'm too germaphobic to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you have empathy where it's like, oh, you, I don't want this person to be that way uh, in that regard, but I don't have the empathy. It's like, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to step away from this situation because I do not <laughs> want to be you. Yeah. yeah. Did you watch Scrubs a lot? I loved Scrubs. I oh, watched oh, all yeah. of it. No, I was going to say, if I was a doctor, I'd just be outside playing basketball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were your favorite TV shows growing up? Um, I loved 30 Rock, Community, yep. Happy Endings. I guess these are not shows that I grew up with, but, like, I also feel like I got into, like, culture later in life. I didn't, like, grow up watching SNL, like, as a little kid or anything. Um, okay. What did you grow up watching then? Like, was it? Telemundo, evidently. Telemundo, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to guess. I can't remember, really. Um, I mean, I really liked TV Land for a good stretch of time in high school. Really? Full House? You saw Full House a lot? Uh, yeah, I watched, like, all the it? dumb family sitcoms. So, like, I was watching, like, Bewitched family. and I Dream of Jeannie for a long time. And, oh, like, shit, you were black and... Okay, I used to watch that. I have no idea why, but I do feel like I've met a lot of people who were, like, in high school, I used to really like old TV shows. Were you also one of those? Yeah, I liked I Dream of Genie a lot. Yeah, so I was like obsessed with it. Um, I only liked the opening sequence of I Dream of Genie because it it's was a so cute. Yeah, it was a cartoon, and I was a kid who loved cartoons. But as soon as they got to that black and white live action, I was like, no, this is not no. for me. Can <laughs> 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 kind of relate to these black and white <laughs> colored people? It was just like a really colorful show, and it was fun. I watched like Three's Company a lot. Did you ever watch Alf or anything like that? No. I feel like if it starred a man, I wasn't really into it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Interesting. Who you're... Right. Uh, you're wait, you said you went to school for television and... Soci- sociology and film. Okay. Sociology slash film? Uh, I majored in sociology and I minored in film. Oh, okay. Yeah. What happened to sociology? What do you mean? Like, how did you get into it and then... What made you kind of like to diverge um, away from it? Oh, this is why. <laughs> I just remembered. Um, sociology was the closest in class requirements to communications, which is what the the one that I wanted to do. Uh-huh. But you needed a very high GPA to get into the communications program. Okay. Um, yeah, I I feel like I went to the sa- the wrong school sometimes because <laughs> I it just like there were all these barriers put up mm-hmm. for these like creative classes. And, like, I couldn't get into the film school either. Yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. but (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's why I ended up doing sociology. But I do feel like it was a good fit Mm -hmm. just because I, like, personally have always, like, been fascinated by people's relationships with each other and, like, how people, like, communicate and talk to each other and, like, what people's personalities are like. Um, I don't know what the job for is it. <laughs> I think it's stand-up. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it kind it of is. <laughs> yeah, because uh, that's the part of stand-up I enjoy the most because I thought that I wanted to be a lawyer at one point. Oh, really? Yeah, and then it's like I do not have the work ethic <laughs> to be an effective lawyer. Yeah. Uh, mainly because I don't like reading, and that's just – I think that's what being a lawyer is. You're just reading thousands of legal documents, thans- right? Thousands of legal yeah. documents and explaining it to people. And Isn't like there like an easier way to do that? Uh, being a lawyer? 
I don't like reading. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Explaining these legal documents? Like, uh, legal documents for dummies? <laughs> <laughs> not yet, because they kind of keep it in the structure where it's like, it has to be posh and proper. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> if you, like, explain it in layman's term, people are like, um, this is unprofessional. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think that's why stand-up is so enjoyable for me, because you do observe human behavior, and then you right, do yeah. explain to people... In a funny way, of course, since like what you enjoy about it. I was gonna ask, who are your comedy heroes? Oh, so I love Chelsea Peretti. She's right. probably my favorite person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ali Wong is great. Um, I really like Megan Amran. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a writer on. Yeah, she's great. The Good Place. Yeah, I think she's so funny. Um, like I only know her. I through her uh, Twitter avatar and <laughs> whenever I see her real yeah. face, I'm like, that's not you. <laughs> yeah, she's great. I think she's hysterical. Um, can't think of someone else that I should be able to. <laughs> Tina Fey. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> Tina Fey, big one. Yeah. Maya Rudolph, you know, that whole group. Yeah. Amy Poehler, Rachel Dredge. Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling. I actually really like Mindy Kaling a lot, too. I feel... It's. Uh, I want to see more from Mindy Kaling other than the lovable chatterbox character, yeah. but maybe that's just her range right there. Oh, uh-huh. Um, I don't, just because I feel like she's really good at char- and charming. Oh, she most at definitely what is. she does. Um, I'm sure if she did a drama, it'd be great. But I like the content that she's putting out now, and I love that she's like really leaned into her femininity, and like isn't steering away from that, just because it's a lot of people find that to be frivolent and she doesn't care about that oh really like explain think so maybe i'm not saying this right um like i just feel like she is so unabashedly girly Uh oh okay yeah and like not everybody thinks that like someone who's girly like the people don't have respect for people like that Ah, and she has just leaned into it hard and doesn't care yeah. And she also went to Dartmouth, so she doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. <laughs> right. like, she's obviously very intelligent. And she makes, like, rom-coms, which is, like, not something that everybody has respect for either. Right. Um, but she's made them really smart and funny. No. No. Okay. That explains it. You're really good at explaining. Am I? <laughs> I'm, like, so nervous no. that I'm going to sound dumb. <laughs> you, you are really good at digging yourself out of a hole. <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a valuable skill. <laughs> I usually am not. <laughs> not everybody has it, but you did it. <laughs> Thank God. Twice in one, one podcast? Unheard of. No, like, uh, that makes sense to me because a lot of uh, Asian comedians starting out would shy away from like talking about Asian things because they wanted to be, they didn't want to be an Asian comedian. So right. I just want to be a comedian. Uh, but now I think it's uh, gone back full circle where it's like, all right, now like maybe it could be the climate where people are wanting diversity. So people are just taking advantage of that. So people are more leaning into more Asian stuff. Yeah. And I think Mindy Kaling is one of those people too, where oh, she was like, I, I don't want, all of my comedy to be about being Indian. Like, that's not something that I think about 24 mm-hmm. 7. And it's like, good for her. Like, I, I appreciate mean, to be fair, that. Her com- none of her comedy is about being Indian. Yeah. But I do think that she has started to get into it a little bit more. Like, just following her on Instagram, she's like highlighting a lot of Indian women that inspire her. 
and she's like talking about restaurants that she really likes um so i'm wondering if like maybe that's gonna bleed into her work later because it is like it's it's not something that she wants i don't know why i'm speaking for her but like in my personal experience i i get why it would not be something that she'd want to harp on for the rest of her life like she lives it she doesn't need to talk about it all the time but it's also hard to like stay away from it you know like i am an asian person and i have like been discriminated against because i'm asian and like that's all these experiences like add up to stories that you'd want to tell and it's up to her if she wants to tell those stories or not i mean that's fair emron do you want to see more indian stuff from mindy as an I mean, Indian I've person? Always, I mean, here's the thing. Between her and Aziz, I've always felt like they have distanced themselves from it for a very long time. And I feel like them coming around full circle to doing it now is the safe way of doing it. Whereas I feel like the whole point of being first and being a representative is being fearless and being able to talk about it when other people aren't. And I feel like now, after they've solidified their position, it's a little moot. So do you feel like them doing it now is a cop-out? I wouldn't say it's a cop-out. I, I would just say it's like uh, maybe a little bit. I feel like cop-out is too strong of a, of a word. It's just more like, eh, it would have made, like, I would have made more of an impact if you did this, like, 10 years ago mm-hmm. as of today. But, I mean, based off of the way the industry was, maybe it wasn't, you know, the safe way to do it or whatever. I, I can't speak to that. All I'm saying is that if you wanted, you can't hold yourself as a representative and and then not talk about any of the issues. Do you think there was a part of them that like purposely chose not to talk about being Indian? Uh, I can't talk about it with Mindy, but I know like with a couple of early interviews that I saw with Aziz, he just was like, I don't want to talk about it. It's not mm-hmm. anything. It's yeah, not a part I of Yeah, I guess me. like and then, the intention. And then second season of Master of None, then he was like, yeah. And I was like, it's too late, man. You're right. I mean, I guess it's not, but whatever yeah it could just be um when they were coming up it was harder to cross over mm-hmm. or maybe that was their focus it's like i want to be mainstream yeah i want this right. kind of success i want and like i said it's like comedians don't want to be viewed as you know adjective comedians they only want to be viewed as comedians right and i go back and forth with that sometimes yeah it's like, me too and it's not that I don't want to be viewed as an Asian comedian, but like in mainstream America's idea of Asian comedians, it's somehow not as good as being just comedian, right? So it's like if you say you're an Asian American, as opposed to just say I'm an American, somehow that Asianness kind of dilutes from the Americanness. Mm-hmm. Whereas it, like people don't view that uh, adjective in front of American or comedian as something that improves upon or makes better. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, so it's like people like people go through their existential crisis. Like, I want to be an American. And so they'll try to distance themselves from their Asianness in everyday purposes. Uh, Could just be through growing up in culture, could be as a self-defense mechanism where it's like, I don't want to get bullied or I don't want to have to be constantly reminded of like how Asian I am. It's like I'm this thing or, or I'm myself. I'm more than just what I was born as. And so for the early pioneers of comedy from Mindy and Aziz and Russell or whoever, what at that time, they might have had a harder time crossing over because there were more barriers. And because of them, uh, what they did 
um, people view that as marketable. It's like, oh, okay, people do think Asian people are funny. Mm -hmm. And so we can produce shows that uh, tell these stories um, because they were kind of a, a gateway into it. Um, That's true. So it could also, be that perspective. If you if you also run your own project, right, mm -hmm. then you have full control over who's doing what. And so if you look at, like, the cast listings, like, you'll see there's not a lot of people of color on those shows. Not Aziza's show, but at least the Mindy Project that ran for, like, what, three, four years? Something like that? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, and it's just like if you I mean my main thing I like I agree with what you're saying But it's also like if you want to be the rep and then you get there then like you got to pull some people on or at least Be some sort of representative. Otherwise, I just I think it's disingenuous to be like I am I mean she still is at the end of the day a Indian American female who has made it within the industry and that's there's nothing you can't take that away from her but I just it feels like Feels like you're trying to, though, Amron. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just I feel like it's just like she hasn't done anything to the community. She hasn't, yeah. Like, no, yeah, acknowledged it. Totally even acknowledged it. Yeah. Like at this point, and it's just like uh, I don't. It's I'm just conflicted. Is all I don't want it to seem like I'm try I want to tear her down. That's not my goal. It's just like I. It's you know you had a show for three seasons and there were like how many brown people on it you know you're right yeah no that's completely valid and she got a lot of flack for only having white love interests on her show as well right and right. i think the criticism is valid and i would hope that she is listening to it and but like here's the flip side what if that's her truth that is her truth she has said like the reason i had all white um love interests in the show is because i mostly dated white men okay. and i'm like okay that's fine, but like maybe you should take a step back and think about why you're only dating white men. Yeah, Amron. But if yeah, but if that's <laughs> no, but if that's what she, I don't know. It's uh, it, I don't know. You could argue either way, but um, is that? I don't know. Yeah, she's uh, she's also older, so I feel yeah. like she's maybe catching up on the like woke train a little bit later. <laughs> maybe. And maybe, like, is, now she's yeah, maybe doing fair, a little maybe. bit more self-reflection about it. Yeah. And if she doesn't, that's okay, too? Maybe? I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I think don't. everyone should do some self-reflection. I think it's good. He's like, no, nah, I'm too established. <laughs> like, I'm leaving that <laughs> behind. All my opinions are correct. <laughs> like, do you like, know how rich I am? Yeah. There's no way. Self-reflection is for anything. poor people. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> what will your show be like? Because I presume you have an idea of a show for yourself. Um, I mean, I have my group of friends here in New York mm -hmm. that are very diverse, and I would just like to see that. <laughs> you don't think there's enough shows about New Yorkers that are diverse? Um, I mean, I think it's because I'm seeing my friend group that is different from other people's friend groups. I don't know. Okay. You what know, is your every friend, friend group, group like? is different. What is your social circle like? Well, my two best friends are black and um, Japanese. So. <laughs> okay. I I just like wrote a pilot based on like our our lives mm -hmm. here in New York City, and I'm sure there are tons of other people writing the same thing, but you're just not seeing them on TV. You should though, because there's a lot of garbage on TV. Yeah, <laughs> like intersectional yeah. race racial friendships. <laughs> yeah. Not like said, a I white girl has a black best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see a show about an Asian family that moves into a completely Mexican neighborhood. 
I think that would be fun to watch. Um, are you going to finance this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I no, no. I'm just saying. I think it would be. I haven't seen that show at all, or anybody pitch anything like that. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. I do think we have to kind of get past the basics first. You know, like that is kind of um, a pre. Like, there's some prerequisites that America needs before they can. Uh, we can get to that point. Why is America so slow? <laughs> you like, know, I know what you're saying, yeah. but it's like I don't like that we need to ease <laughs> America into diversity. I mean, you could just make the show and put on YouTube. Yeah, you could. There, It's getting better in that... Um, I don't know if it's getting better. I'm not anywhere near Hollywood, but I think the gatekeepers are changing. That's why you need more diverse gatekeepers. You need more diverse uh, casting agents as much yeah. as you need uh, people going out for those roles. And, you know, you need more people in charge of the, the pen. Yeah. So it's like as much as we want Asian representation in front of the camera, we need more and not just Asian representation, just everybody representation behind the camera, too, because it's like it's not that, you know, a person uh, can only do so much in front of the camera. It's the people who are behind the camera that have all the power that can cast the roles yeah. that can green light projects. So a lot of uh, I think one of the Netflix uh, executives is Asian, so like a lot of the Asian content. Okay, that you call see. me. <laughs> <laughs> she does listen she, to this podcast. She I has my know. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think one of the executives on Netflix is Asian, so a lot of the Asian content is being yeah. lit by her. I forget her name. We mentioned her once, and then I totally forgot about it. Yeah. But yeah, so like that's kind of important too. And then you know, to Emron's point, it's like Mindy Kaling was one of those people with power. She mm -hmm. could have given a lot more people of color or women of color or what whatever group you want to see more in front of uh, her show <laughs> she could have easily written that in but uh she made the decision she made and that's cool too yeah yeah, yeah. because like i may maybe it does follow that prerequisites like america is a very slow country that but sucks. <laughs> it's a lot better than other countries. True. Like you have to yeah. speak in it in relative terms to help because you're not seeing uh, this in Britain or yeah. France uh, or even Japan. It's like you're not going to get, you know, uh, insecure in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> <just because> there's <laughs> <not> <laughs> like Japanese people okay. aren't like, hey, what are the Indian stories in Japan? Like, and they're like, who cares? <laughs> That's for Bollywood to figure out. Oh, as for other shows that I want to want to see. Um I mean, I would like to have a Sofia Coppola movie that's, like, just cast with a non-white person. You think she's a good writer, but you're I mean, I love those movies. Yeah. It's just, like, sad teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Asian girls are sad also. They're the saddest. <laughs> yeah, like, Latino girls are sad. Black girls are sad. But, like, you don't see any of those, like, sad coming-of-age movies there's cast. Only, there's like, where's the ladybird with... Asian mom and daughter, because that definitely exists. Yeah, the closest they had uh, so far was uh, to all the boys I loved, and they wrote the mom off. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was a good movie. I like that. <laughs> I would write something like that. Um, I would love to write a Netflix rom com. <laughs> yeah, I think they would buy it. It's like a sad yeah. Asian girl. <laughs> that's yeah, all you like need. That's the yeah, movie yeah. right there. I just watched <laughs> that Gina uh, Rodriguez movie someone great that was terrible i loved it well, okay <laughs> that, that's my shit okay that's my shit it's just like I'm it's glad just about a relationship it. and that's the whole movie <laughs> i think maybe on paper 
I understand what I think this is what we were talking about in the last podcast too, Emron. Someone great? Yeah. Yeah. Awful movie. I didn't buy any of those relationships. Oh, yeah. It was not relatable. not um Realistic. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It was relatable, but obviously those all those characters are like fake. <laughs> like yeah. you know. Yeah. Like, why would the two of them be friends with that Britney Snow character? At, she seemed yeah. like such a dud. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and they built her up as like, hey, there's bad Beth. I think that was her name or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like, like, a lot of it is very cheesy. And she's like, how do you smoke weed? It's like, your nickname is Bad Beth. <laughs> like, you never smoked weed before? <laughs> okay, but what did you like so much about this movie? Oh, that's just like the type of stuff that I want to write. I just want to oh, write okay. sh- like shows and movies about relationships. That's it. Okay. <laughs> and I want them to have asian women in it and different women of color in it and like the those movies that i grew up on like all those like high school rom-coms they just all starred white people like you know like all the drew barrymore movies like never been kissed what if like an asian girl was in it instead yeah never been kissed because your mom said no yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly then you have so many more interesting layers to put on All right. Uh, so thank you for doing this podcast. Yeah, you thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah, we got to talk a lot about Beyonce, which is always great. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry if I derailed the Asian podcast to talk only about Beyonce. If only one day we'll have a star of our own that is Beyonce-like but Asian. <laughs> <laughs> She's out there. She's um, it's Gemma Chan. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. I don't okay. know idea who that is, but you didn't watch Crazy Rich Asians. I did. Who's that? Oh, she played Jim- Astrid. Oh, but she sings? No. Oh. I just really like her. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she was also in Miss Marvel, dude. She was one of the green ones. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know who she is now. But I was thinking about Beyonce in terms of like the singer-dancer performer. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, just thinking about people that I really like. <laughs> <laughs> Gemma Shan's more of a Jay-Z, let's be real. No. <laughs> You're probably right. More talented, though. All right, uh, <laughs> Diana, plug all your things. Um, yeah, so check out Flex Mag. So it's F L E X X M A G dot com. And then if you'd like to contribute, then contact us on the contact page. Uh, we would love to have more contributors. Um, and our next show for Flex is on August 8th of this year. So, yeah, and then those are very n- lucky numbers. Your by social the way. medias? Um, my Twitter is hi Diana Chan. So H I D I A N A C H A N. And Instagram? Diana might D-I-A-N-A-M-Y-T-E. And your Finstagram? Mm, <laughs> can't give that <laughs> <Okay>. away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Emron, plug your things. Yo, uh, you can find me at Emron the G. Our next Bad Asian show on the West Coast is May 8th. Uh, you can find tickets at the Bad Asian show and use the promo code MOM because it's Mother's Day for 50% off. Yeah, and then uh, Bad Asian show at Bad Asian show on Instagram and all the social media, www. TheBadAsianShow.com and then at David Nguyen. All right. Thank you again, Diana, for thank doing you. the show. And Ron. Yeah, thank you. Take it out. Thanks, sir. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Peace. <laughs>